As humans, we often struggle with context when it comes to our faith and regularly fail to apply the Word of God in our daily lives. Verita's podcast is a weekly Bible study led by Rev. C.B. Samuel and through it, we try to understand and locate the roles we are called to play in the world we live in by delving into the teachings of the Holy Bible. We welcome you to join us in learning more from the Word of God and in learning how to live out meaningful lives as Christians. Okay, good evening and uh, welcome back to the Bible study. And um, this is almost the last but one study of the book of Revelation. Now, for those of you who have been coming for the study from the beginning, you will know that uh, we started with chapter four. And uh, because the first three chapters were letters written to the churches, and we started with the fourth chapter because that's where the visions uh, that John saw are recorded. And so we've been systematically following it. And if you uh, missed out some of the study, and I want to uh, welcome you to look at the Spotify, uh, you know, the JNUCF uh, you know, the slot there. It's called Veritas. So I think at the end of it, um, Marty can end of our study. Marty can give you more detail, so that you can see how we have progressed and be blessed by it. Now, very specifically, uh, the purpose of Revelation was to communicate to John, who was in Patmos. John, who was a disciple of Jesus, the uh, the end, as it says, to communicate to him what will soon take place. Now that was the purpose of the uh, book of Revelation. And what we have seen so far is the fact that uh, God acts in human history and he moves it towards his purpose. And one of the important things that we saw last time, especially as we come to the end is the judgment on Satan. We saw it in chapter 20 and we saw it in verses 7 to 10, where it says that uh, God uh, uh, destroys Satan and he throws him into the lake of burning sulfur. That's what we saw last time. Now, which means we have come to the end because that is where the end as far as the war between Satan and God uh, happens and we know that what the book of Revelation showed is that we are living in a world in which there is a spiritual battle that is between uh, God and Satan and Satan's main intention is destroy the work of God and especially the glory of God in the fact that he created humans in his image and Satan's main ambition was to ensure that people will rebel against God and he will use every human structure that is there to war against God, to fight against God. And we saw last week that it comes to a climax when eventually Satan is thrown in to the lake of sulfur or the lake of burning sulfur, as it said, and along with the beast and the false prophet. So that's as far as the battle is concerned with Satan, Satan and God, which ends. And after that, we start now in chapter 20, 
verses 11 onwards, and I will finish uh, the book of Revelation today. And next week when we meet, I want to look at some of the uh, key aspects which are controversial in terms of the interpretation of the book of Revelation, and especially in terms of our understanding of second coming or the end of the world. But verses 11 to 15 of chapter 20, after Satan is thrown off, now God has a passage here where the passage in Revelation is that God is seated on the throne. It starts with verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what had been done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now this uh, is the event or the happening that was was to happen after Satan was judged and thrown out. And here God is judging the rest, all of mankind. And so in verses 11 to 15, we have what is usually called the white throne judgment. God is on the throne, but to be more precise, I would say that it was Jesus who was on the throne because we don't know uh, from what is said as to who, but Jesus said in John's gospel, it is recorded, Jesus said, the father has given the right to judge to the son. So it is perhaps understood the one who's on the throne and who is judging is Jesus because judgments were assigned to the son. And it says here, he was seated on the throne and heaven and earth fled away from his presence. It's not as though they left, but you know the, they were in the background. You know they were not the most prominent things when uh, John saw. Suddenly he saw. You know as you, it's like when you travel and you uh, look back slowly, the earth becomes smaller and smaller because what you are, where you are located, you know it becomes smaller. So heaven and earth disappear in the presence of God. And there was no place for them because John was seeing the judgment seat uh, event where uh, he was seeing what was happening uh, in terms of uh, God judging the world. And he says, now begins the judgment where everyone will stand before God. It says here, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book, I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were opened. Again, it says in verse 13, the sea gave up the dead that were in it, the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. So the picture here is that everyone, great and small, and even those who had died and were, you know, 
dead in the sea, you know, something, you know, which would have happened in which they died uh, and their body was thrown into the sea or body went into the sea, whatever it is, basically says that wherever they are, whether on earth or in the sea, that the bodies will be resurrected and everyone will stand before God. And I think it's a very important focus here in this passage today is the fact that all of us will stand before God when he judges us. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says death comes once and then comes the judgment. You know, these are days in which we are so unsure. Every week we hear about somebody who we know or somebody who knows someone who we, you know, they know who died, who we know. You know, it's a whole picture of people dying. You know, even today you get news, I got news over somebody who was infected and uh, somebody who died. And it's really painful. It's really painful because, you know, not most of these people who died perhaps didn't think they were in the list of people who are dying. You know, when you have sicknesses, which you, they would say is terminally ill, Ill we are expecting people, you know, that, you know, anytime they would die. But on the other hand, there are people who are dying and it's young, it's old, it's rich, it's poor, all sorts of people. And uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a time of a lot of grief, grief all around us. And uh, I think it is in this context, we must take seriously the fact that once death comes, it doesn't matter who it comes to, whether it is us, as individuals or members of our family or anyone, the next step after that, it says death comes once and then comes judgment. And here in Revelation, we see that whoever it is, doesn't matter how great we are or how small or uh, how rich or how poor or which nation we come from, everyone will stand before God and will be judged. I think it's very important warning that we would live our lives, you know, in a way that if death were to come, we will not be ashamed to stand before God because that's the end. It doesn't announce when it's going to happen, but it will, when it happens, we will stand before God. And whether we die or we are, uh, you know, there when the end of the world happens, you know, we will all stand before God. And it says, the dead were judged. And what happened is there was a book open or it says books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, two sets of books or one set of books and another book was opened. And when the books were opened first, what was done is that all the people were judged according to what they had done. It says here, that the dead were judged according to what they had done. Now, that is a very important emphasis because, you know, whether we are believers or not believers, whatever it is, we will stand before God and there will be a judgment of our works, a judgment of our works. Now, those who are people whose names are written in the book of life, definitely, what's going to happen is that they will not go into the lake of burning sulfur because their books names are written in the book of life. But whether our names are written or not, we will all be judged according to our works. And that is a very important reminder.
that we can't get away from good works. That's what God has made us for. And it says here, the books will be open and all that we have done, we will be judged according to what we have done. But the truth will be that our works will not be sufficient in order to uh, make, you know, to earn our salvation. But it will definitely be shown. And when God judges people according to their works, and God has a standard, all of us will definitely fall short of God's requirement. Because the Bible says, all our good works are like filthy rags. But uh, that day, God will judge us according to our works. We will be recognized. And, in, you know, and uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians would say that when our deeds are judged, God will not only judge according to our deeds. This is what he says. You know, he says, God on that day, wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And it's, so when God judges us on the last day, even our deeds will be, you know, judged and he will judge the deed according to the motive of the deed. And that's also very important to realize. And that is why the Apostle Paul, Paul would say, we can give our body to be burnt on behalf of the poor and have no love. So God knows, God knows the real reason for good deed whether we wanted reward and recognition from people, as Jesus said, when you pray, you want others to hear it and you want to impress people. And he said, these things will not get any reward. So on that day, all of us will be judged according to our you know, deeds. And we will be shocked or surprised because the intention of our deeds will be shown. And especially deeds done in order to receive the reward of the people and deeds done who which were reported to people like Jesus said when your right hand does something good let not your left hand know because if you do your deeds in order to impress people you will have no reward in heaven so at the end of the day all deeds would be judged so the book the first set of books is more a set of books which will show the what are the deeds that we done. That's why our lives are very important. You can't simply get away with the fact that we are saved by grace. Yes, definitely we are saved by grace, but we'll be judged for our good works. And especially because those who know Jesus have received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in us works out the works of God. And so when we don't do the works of God, it is a judgment on us. That means we are not living in obedience to the spirit. So that would be what is being judged there. But then it says after the books are opened, and then it says the book, there is another book that will be opened. It says in verse uh, 12, which is called the book of life. Now this book of life reference is found mostly in the book of Revelation. I think there are seven references to the book of life. And five of them are in the book, uh, in Revelation. One is in the Psalms and another one is in Paul's letter. When Paul writes to the Philippians and he talks about the book of life that they have. So basically what we find is that uh, when God talks about the book of life, 
that is the final book based on which whether we enter into the kingdom of god the book of deeds definitely will show how we lived and even before uh, you know uh, that book is open we know that none of us are going to be saved by works even the best of our works will be not equal to earn our salvation and so it says here the book of life will be open and then it says in verse 15 anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire now at the end of the day we make it into the new heaven and new earth on the basis of our names being written in the book of life now jesus told the disciples when they came back all excited about what they did he said what you should rejoice is that your name is written in heaven and uh, perhaps even as we attend the bible study like this it's possible that even though we do not believe that we are saved by works we may be working very hard and we think that our works will make it but actually the bible says very clearly that those whose names are written in the book of life are the ones who would finally make it into god's new heaven and new earth the reason is that we will not earn our place by works even though our works may be better than many other people who we know and even though some people's works will be extraordinarily good none of us are going to earn our salvation by works because we will all fall short of god's standard and the only way we will make it is by our names being written in the book of life and that is largely possible one because the holy spirit works in us the father chooses it the bible says you know moves in our heart prompts us and what happens is it is then if we respond into jesus christ and the work on the cross especially in accepting it for our personal salvation then we are sure as john says that our name is written there because we would move from death to life and from darkness to light and so it's very important and we would know that our names are written in the book of life because of the presence of the holy spirit because god guarantees and affirms that what we have done is acceptable to god and he gives us the holy spirit who bears witness with our spirit paul writing to the romans would say that we are the children of god and i think i would like to pause here because basically this is the end this is the end as far as we and god relationship is concerned and god says when history moves towards his end there will be one set of people who will live forever with him whose names are in the book of life and it's important for us to constantly examine not whether we are our names are in the book of life or not because it's once it's written there it is written because jesus told that anyone whom the father brings to him will not be plucked from his hand we don't have to constantly ask whether that na- our name is written in the book it's written it is written and that is what it says you know when the name is the book is open and god reads out those whose names are written in the book of life but while we are on earth while we are on earth we can make sure 
that our names are written in the book of life by recognizing that we are sinners and we fall short of God's standard and we need his work in our hearts and God accepts us when we recognize that we need him and he takes away our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and pours out on his spirit on us who confirms in us or affirms to us that we are the children of God. Once the transaction is over, you know it. You know that you have made it and the Holy Spirit continues to shape us into the image of Jesus. And that's what happens. And of course, some of us may live lives in which we grieve the Holy Spirit, we quench the Holy Spirit, we may live a life in which we are obedient, disobedient to the Holy Spirit, all of these which displease and more than that which grieves God, which breaks the heart of God. And so when we arrive at the judgment seat, even though our book names will be in the book of life, we would also realize that we have fallen short of God's standard when the book of our deeds are shown. And we will look at it later on because Paul writes in the Corinthians and says, eventually when we make it to heaven, we will be tested by fire. And so what will happen is that even though our names are written in the book of life and we would make it to heaven, we would definitely be judged and our works exposed, the motives exposed, and we would be tested by fire. And so all those things are also written in the scripture. So we rejoice that our names are written in the book of life. But when it comes to this point, it says that all those whose names were not written in the book of life were thrown into the lake of fire, the same fire into which Satan, the beast, and the prophet were thrown. The fire that it's talked about here is the eternal separation from God, an eternal separation in which it says earlier, they were tormented day and night forever. Now, thus, what the Bible says is this place, this lake of fire, of burning sulfur, was not made for humans. It was made for Satan. It was made for those who are the ones, the beasts, it says, the prophet, the false prophet. Humans were not the ones for whom it was made. God's desire is none of us should perish. But what happens is most people will choose the broad way, the gate that is wide, and they will go away from God. And that is what is sad when we come to this place after so many chances and after show, showing so much of God's love and even his anger, most people will choose to rebel against God. And my prayer is that none of us, you know, in the JNUCF group would be guilty of simply having religion without God you know, a conversation about God without an experience of God. And that's the danger in which we live these days, because Paul writing to Timothy would say, in the last days, there will be godliness without power. There'll be a lot of religion. And with all that is happening around us, you know, the fact of this COVID and the fact of many people dying and all the problems that we see, the chances are that many people would become religious without an experience of God, religious because of necessity rather than an experience of God. And we must remember that unless our names are written in the book of life, we will not find 
a place in God's new heaven and God's new earth. So chapter 21 and chapter 22, which are the last two chapters in the book of Revelation, takes us into this beautiful picture of God establishing the new heaven and new earth. And it starts off in chapter 21 when he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. What we see here is that the end of the first creation now, many people have questions as to, you know, all the beautiful things that we have around us, uh, will, will it be destroyed? Now, definitely, the Bible says what will be established will be new, but it's heaven and earth will be destroyed, will be changed. Now, perhaps like the human body, you know, it will be renewed and we will have a body again when we are risen, but it will not be the same kind but it will be different as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. You know, what is so, sown as corruptible will rise up as incorruptible. So basically what we notice in this passage is the fact that God is going to change everything new. Everything is going to be new. And uh, he says in verse five, he that was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new everything we will be changed the earth will be changed the heaven will be changed but it will still be new heaven and new earth and what is significant here is that it says here i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's the establishment of the new order. But what is important here is that it doesn't talk about us being carried off into heaven because usually our understanding of heaven is somewhere out there and earth is here and I will go to heaven. Definitely, there is a picture here which says that it is not about us going there, but God coming to dwell with us. This new creation and new heaven, it is not as though heaven and earth are in two different places. God will come and that is the most unique aspect of the end of the world. It says from now onwards, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. Now we don't understand, we don't know how it will happen, but what we know is we have a foretaste of it because God gave us his Holy Spirit who dwells in us and we are the temple of God. So we know to some extent what it means to have God in our vicinity, in our neighborhood, or in fact, God in us. And one day we will live in a world where God will dwell among people. There would be no more God and being aloof from us, but he will dwell with people. 
And the picture that is given is a new city that comes in, a new Jerusalem. Later on in chapter 21, from verse 9 to actually verse 21, the measurement of this new city is given. In fact, John is asked, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod, it says in verse 15, of gold to measure the city and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was made wide. He measured the city with rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. I'm reading verse 15 of chapter 21. And then it gives a lot of description about this new city. And in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 40 onwards, again, when God establishes the new temple, again, the measurement, the dimensions are given. And what is significant is one of the Bible teachers who, who talks about these measurements, and he calculates and says that it would be a huge city, which would be made up of so many thousands of acres, and he said, with the population of so many people, where each person who inhabits there will get at least a thousand acres each. I don't know how they calculated it. But whatever it says is, it is a new city that comes down. And in fact, that city is called, you know, it says, the city comes down out of heaven, it says in verse 2, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. The concept of the bride, we saw it last time when there was the announcement of the great supper of the lamb. And, the, and it was the supper where it was the bride of God. It says here in verse uh, chapter, I think chapter 19 and verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Now, the picture of the bride in the New Testament is that of the church. So that is why sometimes, in fact, most Bible scholars would say the new Jerusalem that comes down, even though it is pictured as in terms of measurements and, uh, you know, pearls and jewels, it's basically the people of God, the people of God, the new community, the church, and because it is called the bride of Christ. And so God dwells among us, and it is a huge uh, change. It's no longer God seated in heaven. Yes, he's in, on the throne, but on the other hand, he seats among us, and we are around him. And it says here, at that day when God comes, what will happen is he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then he goes on to say, verse 6, the, he said to me, it is done. It's over. The past is gone because God is doing something new. And he says in verse 5, he said to me, write these down for these words are trustworthy and true. The fact that the old order will go and a new order will be established and God will dwell among us. He makes an emphasis. This is trustworthy and true. God is a promise-making God and a promise-keeping God. And he says, therefore, it, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who started off and who will bring to completion. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. 
It says that those who have arrived, Jesus said in his teaching, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And for those of us who thirst after God's righteousness, one day you will find that it says here that we will find, we'll get the water without cost from the spring of the water of life. You know, we will find the eternal life that was promised to us, which has been given to us now, we will find it satisfying us in heaven. It will be a completion of that thirst. And it's, you know, we get the water of life. And then he says, to those who were victorious, they will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But definitely there is no place for certain people in God's kingdom. It says in verse 8, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the wild, the murderers, and gives a whole list of people who are sexually immoral, those who practice. These are already gone, but it's again, it's a repetition. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You know, there are people who rose up with bodies will now be thrown into the fire. Now, the rest are there. These are all the ones whose names are written in the book of life. And then it goes on in chapter 9, on verse 9 onwards. It talks about the new Jerusalem, you know, showing this holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It shone with glory of God and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewel. And it says here, the wall of the city had 12 foundations on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lord. The whole New Jerusalem is made up of people whom God has very specifically chosen and worked from the creation of time. And so it, it is established. And then it says in verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city did not need sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It says that this city, this people of God, the new city that God establishes, will have no temple in it. You remember Jesus told the Samaritan woman when he asked, she asked him about where is the place to worship? Is it in Jerusalem or Samaria? He said, neither Jerusalem or Samaria. The people who worship him must worship him in truth and spirit. And that is the kind of worshipers God wants. Once we arrive in heaven, you will find there is no temple. There's no place, a meeting place with God. God dwells in us and we will be so transformed. You know that it says here, because the Lord or God mighty and the Lamb are its temple. That will be the center. They will be the center of worship. And that is why, you know, earth is a good training place for those of us who know Jesus Christ. Because as we worship God, we begin to experience what when we arrive in heaven with the, will be a continuation of the journey. We will not be surprised with what we see in heaven. 
because we have learned to live with worshiping him in truth and in spirit. And not just that, when we arrive there, it says there'll be no need of sun or moon because God will be the light. And it says the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates be shut and there'll be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Now, I was very interested reading this passage too. I was asking myself the questions, what are these nations and who are the kings of the earth? Because when we read through Revelation so far, so far, definitely the nations were no those which were what we have today as the nations by which we are divided among ourselves. And then by the time the world is destroyed and Satan is destroyed, all these nations came to war with God and they were defeated. And especially all the kings, the rulers were destroyed. So who are the ones and who are the nations that will be represented in this new kingdom? The only way we can understand is that the nations are the ethnic groups, the ethnic groups which, into which we were born on earth. And the kings, interestingly, are those, all of us who will be there, because constantly it talks about us reigning with God. You know, it says that we will reign with God. Even if you look at chapter 22 and in verse 5, there will be no more light. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever. Once we arrive in heaven, we are the children of God. We are the ones who reign with him. So what will happen is that when it says the nations of the earth, the, earth, the kings of the earth will bring their splendor and the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. I was saying, that I was thinking to myself, when we arrive in heaven, we would have a new status in heaven as the children of God. There would be no separate rulers. They all would have gone. They all would have been destroyed. But we, as the people who are the children of God, will bring into heaven, what it talks here is that the glory of, and honor of the nations will be brought into it. What a lovely statement. When we arrive in heaven, we will be invited to bring the glory and the honor of the nations that we belong to in heaven one day. And I think that is why we as believers in Christ should take seriously the richness of the earth in which we live, the richness of the ethnic community, because we are constantly critical of everything. We think critique is the virtue of being a Christian. No, it's not. It is celebration, which is the virtue of being a Christian. Celebration is the virtue of being a believer in Christ. And while we are on earth, maybe we should keep our eyes open, asking ourselves, what are the things that we want to take? You know, when I travel, that is before last COVID uh, came into the world, you know, in March, what happens is I know that when I travel for global conferences, and one of the days they would ask all the participants, we would have people from so many nations, 120, 130 nations, you know, to come dressed in their national dress. Now for me, because uh, you know me that I, what I wear is national dress, 
only in our country and i think in maybe bangladesh and pakistan also they wear uh, something like this so they all bring their national dress you know there is a national dress which is the pride of each nation and it looks so good and then sometimes it has to do with national uh, you know food you know from different place today is food you know cooked in this country not usually we have national food because some people find it hard to eat other people's uh, cooking other people's recipes or uh, cuisines but what happens is that we are asked to bring the richness and i think what revelation 21 says is that all the richness that we have celebrated on earth will that which is good will find a place in the new heaven and new earth and we who are the children of god are the ones you know who will be bringing it into god's new kingdom there will be no more representatives who are kings and rulers they have all gone we are the ones who will reign with god so while we are on earth actually we are supposed to pack our suitcases you know to that you know we can't take anything from this earth but perhaps we can take memories of good experiences and just imagine it says or oh, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it the richness you know one of the things that i like watching is the opening day of the olympics or when many nations participate and we find the richness of all the nations and especially the host nation and imagine when we arrive in heaven we all will have the privilege of bringing into the nations that's why you know the christian faith does not destroy local cultures but it is supposed to redeem local cultures unfortunately in the past and even in the present we have thought the work of christians is to be aloof from our cultures you know and i think it is very unfortunate because revelation says the richness of our nations would be brought into heaven and what will happen is it will be a beautiful place filled with us bringing our richness into the glory and honor of heaven itself and then the whole life there in heaven is sustained it says here in chapter 22 verses 1 to 6 by a river that flows from the temple it says the angel showed me a river of the water of life as crystal as clear as a crystal flowing from the throne of god and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city some of you may remember i have done a study with you on ezekiel chapter 47 where it talks about a river that flows from the altar and as the river flows everything around it becomes fresh and living and the same river is talked about here and that river jesus said when you believe in him out of you will flow rivers of living water and john writing in the gospel says jesus was talking about the holy spirit the whole of heaven is sustained by the working of the holy spirit it says here the river will flow and things begin to change it says here on each side of the river stood trees of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations you know this river changes everything it brings hope it brings healing it brings meaning it celebrates diversity 
And what a beautiful sight. And that river, which we would experience again in the new heaven and new earth, is actually our privilege while on earth. When Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be given to you. I will ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is given to us, and that is why, irrespective of whether we are Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or nobody, the important thing is to restore again the understanding of the Holy Spirit in our life because that Holy Spirit experience is a continuous experience which will culminate in us seeing it in heaven because what is sustaining life in heaven is that river that flows from the throne and there would be healing, restoration, life all around. And it says here, the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will face, see his face and his name will be written on their forehead. There will be no more night. They will not need light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. That is our destination. Our destination is not that we would somehow make it into the new heaven and new earth. When we arrive there, we will be very unique. We will be the children of God who had the privilege of experiencing heaven on earth because God gave us the Holy Spirit. And nothing will be unfamiliar to us. And that's what John saw. John saw heaven and he would have been rejoicing because he was in the spirit. It says in chapter one, John was in the spirit. So to live a life of that which we say, we walk in the spirit in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a life in which we experience heaven on earth. And so new heaven and new earth will be that culmination of our journey. And then the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. That's what it says. All that you have seen and all that you have heard are trustworthy and true. Over and over our emphasis is that you can count God, count on God for his word. And we know as we live in this world, there are a lot of people who question the fact of the end of history. And we there is a kind of uh, pessimism when we talk about it, even among those who are believers in Christ. But John was told this is going to happen. And John was very clearly carried into heaven in order to see God in all his fullness, a God who is the omega, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so he hears the words which says in verse seven, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. It's not simply preserving these words, but reading. We may not understand everything, as I said, but we read it, we, are, we try and study it. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. Now John talks about his personal experience of this vision. When I had heard and seen them, when he saw all these things, again, John does something which he did earlier. He just got carried away. 
and when i had heard and seen them i fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me but he said to me don't do that i am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll he says don't worship me i am not the one i'm just the guide travel guide he says don't worship me because it says worship god at the end of the book of revelation there is one statement here which says worship god that's the response to this book read it read if you find it hard to worship god just read the book of revelation don't get caught up in all those pictures to ask what is this beast and what is that you may not understand a lot of things but you by your reading of this constantly you will develop a spirit of worship and one day in heaven when you see it you will just be overjoyed and you will hear the words of the one who is sitting on the throne and then he told me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll i because the time is near don't block, close it now do not let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong those who don't want to listen to god let them do what they want to do but it says let the wild person continue to be wild but let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy look i am coming soon my reward is with me and i will give to each person according to what they have done i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city again the same emphasis those whose robes are washed you know the statement which you see so often in the new testament we are washed by the blood of christ and even if our sins are you know like uh, scarlet it will be white as snow that's what it says we are washed and very important you know are you washed in the blood of the lamb that's a song that is very popular we may have opinions about the song but it is the truth if we are not washed by the blood of the lord jesus christ in a personal experience of salvation you know it says here we will not have the right to the tree of life we won't even enter there but in heaven there will be the tree of life perhaps it is the one which like the river flows and the tree grows and the plants come you know it will bring life to it and may go through the gates into the city outside are the dogs a strong statement those who practice magic arts sexually immoral the murderers the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices false so just a reputation they've all gone they are no longer in heaven i jesus have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches john was told very clearly this revelation is for the church to equip the church to encourage the church to hold the church you know to spur the church to have hope in the words of god he says i am the root and the offspring of david and the bright morning star and the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come 
Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. At the end of it, Revelation is not a condemnation book. It is an invitation book to say this is what is going to happen. Please, those who are thirsty, come and take out of the water of life. And then he goes on to give a last statement saying, I want everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. scroll. If anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from the person any share in the trees of tree of life and the holy city, which are described in the scroll. Basically, it says, don't tamper. Doesn't matter if you understand or not, but don't tamper with the book of Revelation. Don't tamper with these words. You know, that is given by God. And if anyone tries to tamper or reduce it or add to it, they would have no place in God's kingdom. And he who testifies to these things, you know, that is John says, yes, you know, God testifying to this says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The whole book of Revelation ends with a desire. Come, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus. As we see everything that is happening around us, the book of Revelation is not just an invitation to prepare ourselves, but also to celebrate in worship. And also to pray and say, come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with the people of God, with God's people. It ends finally with John giving a benediction. John has very faithfully recorded it for the church. It's the style is that of a vision, but ends with the blessing, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. This is the book of Revelation. And I hope it was a blessing and read it as many times as possible. Read everything that is written about the book of Revelation or spoken about Revelation. There are so many views on the matter. But at the end of the day, one thing it will guarantee is that it will prepare you to meet God, to be able to live a life of worship and good deeds and live a life in the spirit. Thank you for taking time out and being a part of this Bible study. Veritas Podcast is a podcast run by students and we upload every week on Wednesdays. If you find our content engaging and wish to know more, kindly subscribe to our podcast channel. Thank you for listening and we hope that you are blessed by this initiative.